I'm Neville Dunhu, and you're listening to the Yellow Ruby Podcast. On this week's podcast, I have Exiles hooker Dave Gain. Myself and Dave talk about all things UAE rugby, and we look ahead to the Division 1 and the Premiership final coming this weekend in LAM. Alex took the weekend off. Um, Alex, of course, is the brains behind Yala Rugby, and I'm the brains behind Benchwarmers and Rugby Smacks. Please make sure to give them a follow. Before I get into the conversations, I'd just like to run through the weekend's results. As we know, it was the last final proper weekend, so the Tigers 46, Harlequins 22, that was at the Police Academy, and the other result in the other semi-final was Exiles 36, the Dragons nil. So the Tigers will meet uh, Exiles, as, as I said, this weekend in Alain. And the other result from Division 1 was uh, Hurricanes on Friday night. They beat the Tigers 40, 43 points to 5, and the Sharks... That's my own team. Uh, we beat we beat Alien Amblers 20 points 12 in a cracking game down in Alien. So we so the Sharks will now meet Hurricanes also in Alien. So all leads all roads lead to Alien this weekend. So make sure to get down there, support the club and support rugby in the UAE. And of course, I forgot to mention the women's grand final is also on down in Alien. So make sure, honestly, to get down there. It'll be a great weekend. And the final weekend of the Six Nations will be shown down there also. It's really a great spot for uh, rugby in the UAE. So with that, hope you enjoy the pod with Dave Gain. Dave Gain. Dave, how are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? How are we doing? I'm not too bad. Um, thanks a million for coming on the Yala Rugby podcast, anyway. But uh, before we go straight into the rugby chat, I suppose, Dave... I suppose I don't have access to Wikipedia and I, I haven't shared a beer with you yet. So tell us about yourself first, Dave, and where you're from, how long you're living in Dubai and what you do, etc., etc. Well, uh, I've listened to uh, the other podcasts and I, I, my Wikipedia page probably wouldn't be telling you such a uh, sort of checkered past of my rugby career, that's for sure. Um, but I'm, I hail from Liverpool, played uh Played my rugby initially up in a little junior club up there in Southport, uh, <laughs> great part of the world. Um, then moved on to uh, after being injured over and over again, having played uh, sort of played men's rugby and Colts rugby at the same time. Uh, sort of threw myself headlong into tackling. So I still haven't quite mastered how to tackle people properly. So just stick my head in the spokes. Right. Um, but he, um, <laughs> yeah, went off and played. Uh, managed to. Make my way off to a national team club, Waterloo. Played there for a good few years before heading out to Dubai. Um, yeah, I came over here as a, I'm a PE teacher. Ten years in the UK teaching, sort of, you know, only the UK weather can grind you down a certain way, can't it? And then uh, came out to Dubai. Came originally, my first training session was off with the Tigers, actually. And because um, one of the members of staff here is involved at the school I work at, North Anglia. 
uh, one of the staff there is my big involved with the Tigers. Uh, so they'll come down and play. So come and train with the Tigers two nights. And um, I think when uh, when one of them, one of the coaches said to me, he's like, oh, uh, are you a centre? I think that was what made uh, me realise probably not the club for me. If they were under the impression a bloke with no hands and no no pace played in the centre, yeah, yeah. so uh, I took, my, took myself off down the exiles then, and uh, haven't left since. Been um, for the exiles since I came in twenty seventeen. Yeah, seventeen. Okay, and like that's interesting. Now you said you're from Liverpool because look from what I know from the rugby in England, a lot of up the north is football and rugby league. But like, is there a rugby tradition up in Liverpool? And are you a Liverpool fan or, or uh, a fan? I'm a red, yeah, I'm a red. Although the uh, the any scousers listening would say that I'm not a proper scouser because right. me wheelie bin's not purple. But um, yeah, I'm from I'm from uh, I'm from Liverpool. I'm from the posh bit from Formby. But there's a there is a good few rugby clubs around there. There's a couple of national league clubs, Coldy, uh, and then Sale. They're um, they're all south of Manchester, really, and Coldy's the other side of Liverpool. But they're um, they're not one. I want to say they're in that that one now. Yeah. Um, and Waterloo, I doubt well, they were in that two, then three when I was there. They've dropped out of the National League at the moment. Um, but outside of that, it's Manchester. And you are right; it's rugby league everywhere, basically. But even Liverpool, particularly, there's hardly any rugby. It's mostly football. Who's the best? All, all football, mostly rugby league. All right. Who's the best player you played with and played against? Because I'm just thinking there, you said, I, I'm sure you probably played against some good players in England, did you? Uh, yeah, but more, to be honest, most of them, are, I wouldn't say any any great shakes. More um, been coached by some great coaches. Um, Jan van der Venter, who's off in charge of Chester now, he was a great player when I played them. Uh, well, sorry, he briefly came off the bench. I think we must have been desperation because he came off from being coached, broke his arm again that game. Yeah. But uh, ex-England prop, Stu Turner was the coach for a, for a little while. Um, and then, yeah, no, played played against some good players, but played along much better players over here in the UAE, to be honest. Okay. Uh, Durant Gerber at the Exiles, uh, just something else, basically, up for fly-off. Yeah. Um, and uh, James Crossley at the Exiles, probably better known for his international skydiving than he is a rugby player, but he's a great bloke if you give him the ball in the centres. Okay. Um, then I suppose before we go in and talk about the rugby, I just want to talk about the Exiles Club because it's it's well known that the Exiles Club is the oldest one in Dubai. Like that must be something the club is very proud of out out, out there. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say that's where a lot of the heritage you know, the heritage that the boys talk about, the older boys certainly talk about, certainly gets mentioned by the uh, club chairman on his uh, regular visits to the changing room before games and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um there's always people coming back who are like ex-exiles of years and years ago who come back and watch the odd game and come and chat to you at the end of games, which is nice. Certainly yeah. if you ever pop up, if you ever spot the Facebook feed, there'll be old boys on there who, you know, played 20 years ago or something who are still watching games, which is great. There was a former coach of mine. He was coach. He was my head coach last year at home in Ireland and he played with the exiles. I'd say he probably played with you. He played full-back for Munster. Do you know who that is, no? Oh, Dennis Early. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, he, tell you what, there's a brilliant player to put. I don't think he might have stepped on the field once with us, but he was always coaching. But he was in charge of defence in my first year. And he was brilliant. Just the, the insights he brought from, I, I, 
well, we won that year. We won the Premiership that year, and we were in the uh, the West Asia Cup final as well. Um, but just the small changes that can really like make find you know big big differences over the course of a season. Yeah. And system he put in place in defence was brilliant, and it and it because it was the we we had real momentum with us then. There was you know big numbers down at training all the time. It meant when you stepped in or lads stepped in from the twos or off the bench that. It was almost seamless because they'd done, we'd repeated and repeated, done lots of it, well structured training. But yeah, Dennis Early, he was class. Oh, class, yeah. good crack with a beer as well. Yeah, good player. Um, do you ever think, I suppose we talked in, I suppose, a small bit about, about rugby then, Dave. Is um, he beat, did you beat, um, oh, don't tell me, was it uh, Dragons at the weekend, was it? No? We did, yeah. Yeah, 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 we did. Because I was talking to, uh, <laughs> I was talking to Liam Liam Cronin. He's a friend of mine, and he was playing, I think, in the back row. And I think he beat him well. But tell me about that game. And now I think you're heading to Alien next weekend also to take on the Tigers in the final. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the only hole in our um, game's been at the, the first half of the season we were sort of missing a consistent ten. So we had a big dominant pack. We were still winning line out scrums, you know, all the set piece, but you know, not really being able to link up with our, you know, we've got a great back line of players, but it's, you know, that disconnect, if you haven't got the boys all, you know, singing off the same hymn sheet, you're not going to uh, make yards once you've won those set pieces. So that was what was sort of missing, I think. And then the second half of the season, a um, couple of holes a bit in our, in our defensive structure with, you know, boys, Tiger scored three, I think, through the middle without even, you know, I would even suggest a tackle into that then it was, you know, broke we're on tackle straight through. Um but since then we've sort of tidied that up. Um it's it, much better against Harlequins. Um and then again against the Dragons we worked tirelessly really in defence and that showed through, you know, we managed to keep them to a nil. Yeah. Which um was basically down to, you know, that tidying up that floor in the defence. So hopefully that's something we can carry on into our into the final at Tigers. Yeah. Um are you looking forward to a town in LA? Will you like Tigers are a good side too? Make for a good match, it's a Yeah, yeah. I mean they're big old boys and they um I think it's just the key for us is to not not try and do everything to not just have a big arm wrestle with them because we've got a big pack, but it's all about, you know, that balance of using using the pack at the right time so that we can suck enough of them in to run the tries in. Yeah. But yeah. um yeah, I mean it's it, Often you find when you've got two big packs, sometimes they're too busy trying to decide who is the who's the biggest, who's the biggest hitter, who can who can do the biggest carry. And too often, more often than not, that just ends up with two exhausted gangs of fat lads. To be fair, <laughs> are you one of these? <laughs> are you one of these? Uh, are you one of the, you play hooker and I play tighthead myself? And uh, are you one of these hookers that bullies on the tighthead? The two e the loose head and the hooker teams up in the tighthead, or how do you scrummage? Well, I, our, our loose heads are our captain, so I do exactly what he tells me to do each scrum. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a good uh, good thinking. Um, then I suppose the, the other thing I wanted to talk to you, uh, Dave, was about what do you think of the standard of rugby over here, say, compared to at home? Do you think it's a good standard and do you think it can be improved or what? Yeah, I mean, we, we lads, whenever you speak to the lads at home, I suppose that's what they, they'll ask, what, what's the rugby like and stuff. It's hard, isn't it, when you when you look across a team and you've got players who've played in a you know a brilliant standard. We've got our our second row who's been you know played basically Irish age group rugby and academy rugby, 
um, all the way through. And then you've got lads like Duran Gerber who went off to the 2015 World Cup with Italy. And you've got lads who throughout you can, because boys who've got representative honours and then you've got people like myself who've played a good standard of rugby. You know, I've been off and played in South Africa and places like that, but never never went off and, you know, made something of it really. Probably probably wasn't really good enough to do that as at a younger age. But the, where so good, very good players held together like that with average players like myself, meaning that the overall standard can really change depending on the performance of some of those individuals. And so sometimes you can be playing and thinking, Christ, this is some outstanding side, this, you know, championship national one side back in the UK. And then other days it can be very, very different. So I think that the premiership is generally speaking, I'd say like a good, you know, national league standard back in the UK. And then there obviously is a big gap between that and maybe division one. But I don't think that, I think there's, there's too much onus put on that, really. I think there just should be a bigger division, whether it's you want to call it Premiership or Division 1. I think there just needs to be more teams all playing against each other because it looks great what the Division 1 teams, I know you play for, you play for Sharks, don't yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, looks, it basically looks great. You boys have got loads more games. It's more yeah. enjoyable. There's a bit more who's going to win it, who's not going to win it type thing. Whereas in the Premiership, it's like, well, we could lose everything here and still have a crack at it in the last two games. Yeah. So, no, I, I actually completely agree with you. You you summed it up perfectly because I think even in the in our team, I was I'm one of I'm kind of like you. I was one of those average players, but then in our team, there's some exceptional players, and they bring it all together. But also, I was actually making that argument that maybe it should just be one league, you know, instead of Premiership Division. But then the lads were arguing there is a, there is a difference between the Premiership and Division 1. But that brings me on to my other question, that do you think do you think players should be getting paid over here? Like, Because in my opinion, uh, I think any money should be going back into the league or the game to make it as better. I just don't see the why you're paying players, like, you know, because I don't see the, the business model in it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, I mean... I think there's a, there's enough of a rumour mill around. There's, you know, rugby's a pretty small circle out in the UAE, isn't it? And there's enough of a rumour mill about who gets paid what and where the money comes from and all that sort of thing. Um, I know at the Exiles, there are no players who are paid to be players. Certainly not. There's lads who give up hours and hours of their time to go coaching and they may be remunerated to a degree for that, but it certainly doesn't even match what they spend on the pitch side, um, particularly if they go off to, let, you know, a junior tournament in Abu Dhabi with two teams, which means they're basically there for six hours. They're not being paid an hourly rate. They're being paid that this is what you you know a little lump sum of money for coaching, and the rest they're just giving back to the club. And um, I know there's other club. I know Dragons uh, listening to Ross's one the other day. Yeah. None of the lads are paid there. I'm, I'm sure some of them help out in different roles at the club in a similar kind of manner. Yeah. Um, and then there's obviously there's other there's other clubs that are paying what seems like near salaries to players. All it's going to do is open the void, isn't it, between those clubs that choose to do that and the ones that don't. And it all it does is what the void gets bigger. We play less rugby because you know even when we did have uh, fixtures when I first come, I know teams would just decide not to play the exiles because they thought we're going to get smashed by them. So if you don't, if you didn't want to. They didn't want to come and do it. So they'd be like, no, they'd pull the uh, not not got enough front rows to compete type thing and all that sort of thing. So no. it just it just damages, I think, rugby in the region, particularly when there's no reward either. I don't see the purpose. Like, so 
you win the Premiership, and what what does that mean? No, <laughs> you know, you got a nice medal for twenty lads, you know, trophies yeah, yeah. within the, the cupboard. But no, I think I think you're spot on. I think you nailed it on the head. Um, and then the other thing I just want to talk because it was funny the Sharks. We had our AGM uh, on Sunday, and what was very interesting from the AGM is we don't own our own pitch, and you could just see they were going through the ins and outs each year, and the out was pitch rental, like. You don't have to pay that. That yeah. must be a big advantage to you, like having such a good facility like the Sevens. No exiles pay a massive pitch rental. It's Hurricanes you don't have to pay. Okay. The Hurricanes have got an, uh, the sponsorship with Emirates. Really? Um, so they they don't they get their pitches for free. Okay. And we, we're we actually tied in. We've got like a certain amount we have to uh, pitch higher. So even if we had, for example, a facility that was maybe to sit or better price, we wouldn't be able to move there because of the deal involving the clubhouse and stuff. So basically, yeah, we're uh, we're in the same boat as you spend on pitches. I mean, it's an amazing facility clubhouse up there, uh, but costs a small fortune to achieve it. Yeah. So I think I think a lot of the time from John, the uh, the man who runs the exiles for us, he did the main man, <laughs> balancing the books and trying to organise um any way he can to bring that price down or, you know, settle another deal or anything along those lines is what he tries to do. But we don't, we don't take any money on that or from the uh, beverage sales there, unfortunately. None of of it goes to us. Yeah. No, it's a big problem. We're talking about that at the AGM that like they're mad for building their shopping malls and their office blocks over here. But I don't see like why they don't build more pitches and facilities because you'd make money on a two over here in Dubai. So maybe, you know, that's one thing to look at. The next question I'll ask you is, Dave, is um, if you could change one thing about the game over here or in general, what would you change? I don't know. That's hard, isn't it? Because you, I suppose you look at it from uh, your your contribution to the game and what you do, and you, they're the sort of the bits you love, don't they? So, obviously, the um, you wouldn't. I wouldn't want to remove and use a prop. You wouldn't want to remove the scrummaging or the or the the lineouts. There are sort of bread and butter and. Certainly, if you can sneak on the end of a driving mall there, never you end up with a try. So you don't want to get rid of that, do you? And no. then I know everyone else would be talking. I know yeah, the Dragons scrum off. Gareth there was yapping every time we had a, a scrum at the week, and you know, giving it the all, giving everyone what they want more scrummaging. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but if you're a forward, that's what you want to do a bit of, don't you? So it's what you can contribute. So I would. Wouldn't get rid of that, you see. Um, as much as other people may think it's, you know, slows yeah. the game down or not as interesting. I think it's part of rugby union, isn't it? And you don't you, you know, removing it would just make it rugby league with slower blokes. Yeah. So there's a there's no purpose to that for us. No, I do. I don't know, but that tackle height law that was discussed in the U- the UK is absolute nonsense, really. I don't see that. I think putting your head down in the air, basically the way I try and tackle. In the yeah. sets of two knees, pistons coming up. I think that's just that's where concussions occur. Yeah. Um, so I don't necessarily think you know the high shots are where all the concussions are. Yeah. I think I was reading um, Sonny Williams saying, "Why aren't they asking players how they, this should be dealt with? Because they're the ones who are at the coal face. They're the ones dealing with this." Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I've got the answer to be fair, and I've certainly not played it at any level of uh, those gents. Yeah, no. I don't know how you. How you speed the game up and make it more interesting, yeah, for other people because that's essentially what we need, isn't it? Because the number of people playing rugby union just isn't enough globally. 
yeah. never mind in the UAE. So I don't know. I, I just haven't got the answer. I wouldn't get rid of scrums. I wouldn't get rid of lineouts. Yeah. <laughs> I like trying to turn a rook over. So I don't know. No, definitely. The, the scrum was a fundamental fundamental part of the game. You're right. It'd be, it'd be rugby league otherwise. And then I, I suppose, final few questions then, Dave, is um, where do you see yourself in five or ten years' time? And I suppose where do you see the club exiles in five or ten years' time? Is the, is the club going in the right direction and all that? Yeah, I mean, I don't don't see myself going anywhere uh, anytime soon. Came out to the virus, I think, like everybody else for two years. And then I thought I'd be heading home, I don't know, with a pot of gold under my arm or something like that. Not quite. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, enjoy working out here, enjoy working at the school. Um, so hopefully I'll still be here, still be fighting for my shirt at the Exiles to try and uh, keep the youth at bay. Yeah. The Exiles has got so many young lads coming through from DC and desk. And I think if a few more of them start to stick around and get jobs over here, I think, you know, it, Exiles particularly will go from strength to strength because it has got that um, sort of constant stream of young players coming through. I mean, the Exiles, uh, the, the second team is made up of basically six formers and uh, a couple of old boys who we can convince to stick their boots back on. Yeah, uh, No doubt that, that'll end up being me at some stage. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, for now, I'm managing to stay where I am in the ones. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I can only see the Exiles getting stronger, really. Um, but it all depends on the competition being good enough, and it needs more teams for that for that to be, you know, successful anywhere. Even if, like you said earlier, if all the if all the teams are bundled in together, or not all, but maybe Division One and Premiership, and yeah, there will still be um, there'll be essentially a top four. But haven't you got that in the Premier League and football most of the time? I know, you know, not always, as you just said, Liverpool losing to Bournemouth, maybe not, but. What I'm saying is you still need those teams in there. You're still going to have top top teams and bottom teams. Yeah. And it's just about whether you can battle like yourselves. If you're, you're up the top of Division 1, who says you're not going to sneak a win against one of the more established, bigger clubs and claw your way into that fourth position, third position. It doesn't matter. You, you can't if you're not there. So I just think that that whole split between Premiership and Division 1 needs to maybe just be removed. The likes of Alain have been in there before and they should be again and so should yeah. uh, you know Hurricanes Saracens or clubs like these should all just be yeah. one big one big league No it's, it's not a bad idea and the other thing I wanted to ask you just I suppose on that point uh, is what do you think of the product we have over here now in the UAE like do you think there's enough teams in the division because like, you know it took a while I know with the Sharks you now there was the Arabian Potbellies and there was the Knights and Eagles and other teams and now it's you know, do you think do you think there's we have enough teams, we don't need any more? Do you think and do you think it's a good product that you can sell and get sponsorship here? I think the problem is that it's it, it's a small pond, isn't it? Basically, the, and the, the even smaller pond is the fact that the audience of rugby union. So really it's growing the pyramid as big as you possibly can at the bottom, so as many youth people involved, which is then families tied in as well. Yeah. You need the biggest youth sections you can. And, you know, I think Sharks, you guys are trying to grow your youth section. There's massive youth sections at other clubs. I know, like God, Tigers has like A, B, C, D teams in almost all its age groups. Yeah. But it's it's just about that. It's how big an audience can you get sponsorship-wise, realistically. If you look at the sponsorships on all the clubs, they're only local businesses, aren't they? You know, it's, yeah. it's almost treating Dubai like, 
you know, maybe back home in Ireland or back uh, back up north for me. You basically, it's the advertisement of local businesses, except on the scale of just Dubai. So it's, there's only so big it can go, basically, isn't it? There's only so big it can go. And that's why it's not sustainable having all these or teams that are paying like entire squads of players for what purpose? Like, <laughs> yeah. no one else can keep up with that, and there's no there's no rewards at the end of it. There's no TV money, so you know, yeah, it's limited. It's limited, so it's more make, about making it sustainable, I suppose, rather than making it trying to make it as big or as a uh, you know, how much money can you make out of it? It's how sustainable can you make it for yeah. the game of rugby because it's a limited thing because there's so. Well, I suppose the numbers aren't coming in. We're lucky that there's so much rugby union in Dubai, particularly yeah. in the, the British schools, I suppose. Yeah. Do you think we need do you think we need more support? Without without that. Do you think we need more support from the UAE? Because like when you look at it like it's the the rugby does generate money over here for the country even, you know, but even from the Federation, do you think they should be helping us more? I don't know. I don't know how they would help other than maybe, you know, facilities wise, maybe making some sort of I know um, Apollo's talked about there being pathways for junior uh, international sides. Um, you should probably mention to him that I'm now eligible for him to pick me if he's uh, if he needs me. Oh, but the um, <laughs> <laughs> lived here five years now. Never think I've made it. Right. Um, but but yeah, the um, I, I know he mentioned in his uh, podcast about them now being junior pathways for junior international sides and. I, he, he alluded to that again, like maybe maybe more young players will stick around. Uh, they haven't got to rush off to other parts of the world to try and continue playing their rugby. So it is about, it's growing it from the bottom up, isn't it? And bottom being age group as opposed to standard. So, you know, we need, we need as many younger players playing so that you can get that bigger pool of quality players as they get older. And then hopefully there is those um, outlets for them to then stay in the region and continue playing. But we're only going to do that, I suppose, if there's the things that we've actually been saying against. We've been saying we don't want to pay players and all that sort of thing. But the only reason people are more driven to be involved with these things generally is some sort of reward at the end of it. Now, I don't know whether that's... What what would you reward people with generally? What prize money to re-establish if they had to to put it straight back into their club and do something with it that was positive for the, uh, the local... The local environment, or the rugby environment, I should say. Maybe, maybe you could do something along those lines. So it was essentially like you were almost winning sponsorship for your own club, yeah, um, for the season ahead. Something along those lines. God knows. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's hard because the, the the root of the problem is that we're in a non-rugby region, aren't we? How many million people are here, and then how many hundred thousand play rugby? Yeah, that's yeah. the problem. Right. <laughs> and the problem, the problem globally with rugby union, isn't it, for, for sports? Yeah. Yeah, it's how do we make it more more accessible or more attractive, really, for everyone to go and play? Yeah, one hundred percent. The final two questions, then, Dave, is um, I just want to ask you about your your women's at the club at the moment. How's that going? And even your referees, your officials. Is there many refs coming through? Because I know that's very important over here too to have good referees. I don't know about that. It seems like um, there's at least five lads in our first team who think we're referees. Unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, trying to chirp the referee with his incorrect decisions um, Brad Tuff if you're listening it's definitely you mate mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah but between that and oh yeah and coaches on the pitch we've got a few of them who uh, like to coach each other about what we're getting wrong or getting right 
Um, but now the women's side, um, they they joined us at the sevens for a, a bit of a social at the end of the sevens event. And we're talking about hopefully seeing them at the uh, bit of end of season and stuff like that. There's definitely more numbers there. It's good to good number of them this year. I don't hope that they're uh, like all the other regions. The the junior divisions of the girls has grown at the club. Um, I uh, myself and a lad called Taz, one of the props for the first team, we coached the under fifteen, under thirteen girls rugby at yeah. uh, the club. We got three three teams there, and then moving up into the under nineteens, there's a, there's three full squads there for girls. Yeah. So get it. The, the disconnect is that bit when everyone goes off to university and stuff like that, and it's it's how you sort of either keep them there or get them to come back here. Yeah. Um, and when they do get come back, carry on playing. So I think I think the women's rugby particularly was listening to um, yeah your man from Barrel House chatting uh, on the podcast. It sounds like we're, women's rugby is growing everywhere. Um, and was it Helen as well who yeah. was uh, who helps yeah. run the women's league? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it sounds like the numbers the numbers are on the up. Certainly better the exiles because we didn't have them. Yeah, two years ago. So it's those those numbers are on the rise. It's keeping them, I suppose, and keeping everyone going in the right direction. I suppose a lot of that comes from how often they get to play. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, I suppose final question, then, Dave, is um, I suppose a word in England because uh, it's not often I feel sorry for England, but uh, you're going to Dublin for Paddy's Day and Ireland are going for the Grand Slam, and you shifted fifty points against France, and you know, like, where, where, seriously though, where where's it all gone wrong? Like you know, because England have the biggest player pool. You know, they got some quality players, and just they're just horrendous at the moment, like you know. Yeah, I don't know. I was uh, I was talking to one of the teachers in schools today about that. I, I, where does it all go wrong? I mean, I, I think I was a bit um, blurry-eyed by the time I was watching the England game after uh, celebrating our, our win against Dragons. So by the time it got to 30 points, I was already, you know, my head and my hands about it. It was not hard to carry on watching, but I watched it the next day. And um, they just never don't seem to get any momentum at all. And without, uh, without momentum, Marcus Smith can't find a gap anyway, and that's what he thrives on, doesn't he? It's, you know, moments of magic only happen behind a forward pack that are absolutely motoring. Yeah. So that's that's that that game in, in the instance, isn't it? But I don't know how you change that ahead of a World Cup, you know, bring in a new coach and then what? What, he's going to put a blueprint on it within six months, nine months? No. Got no chance at all, has he? So I think at that point, you've got to say, right, well, we're looking at the next World Cup, not this one, the yeah. one in four years' time. So... Never mind what Paddy's day is going to look like. I reckon uh, I they might as well have a Guinness before they play. Yeah. Hope for the best. Yeah. Rather than uh, thinking they're going to make an upset in Ireland. Like, Who do you fancy for the World Cup then? Who do you think will win it? Uh, well, it's hard to look past, I suppose, well, between France and the All Blacks, really. I'd like to think, I'd like to think the All Blacks don't keep winning World Cups. I'd like to think someone else does. Yeah. Sorry, I don't, I'm not having, I'm not having Ireland win. They're, um, they're not they're not taking the World Cup so right. yeah France and the All Blacks somewhere in there Dupont can uh, pull strings every game rather than just uh, every other I think they'll be flying no, definitely Fine then Dave I do this we do this with all our guests is um, quick fire questions okay so uh, okay. what's your favourite food oh uh, steak favourite golf course 
not a golfer, but Montgomery, Montgomery for the booze. Okay. Win the World Cup or win the Masters? Win the World Cup. Uh, favorite holiday? Ooh. Uh, uh, we're going to go to the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall because no one else has been there. Who would play you in a movie? Uh, well, it's, it's hard. There's two options there. You've got Russell Crowe in his gladiator days. Uh, not now. Uh, or... Um, no, you can have him for that. Gerard Butler, obviously. Mm-hmm. Was, was, you know, on a good day in 300, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Very, very complimentary. <laughs> What's your biggest fear? <laughs> the biggest fear? Uh, repeating some of my classic line-out throws where I throw it to the opposition nine instead of our jumper. All right. Uh, best book you ever read? Uh, this is going to hurt, but I've forgotten who it's written by. It's a bit scarce. All right. Favourite chocolate bar? <laughs> uh, boost. And finally, Westlife for boys on? Ah, Westlife. No Dave, thanks a million for that. No worries. All good. Thank you very much for having me. Sound, Dave. Cheers for that. And thanks for listening. And thanks again to Dave Ginn for coming on the podcast. I look forward to seeing him down in Adelaide this weekend. Hopefully we can... Well, hopefully we can have a beer together. If not, I'll be shouting him on in his match. And hopefully he'll do the same for me if he gets down there early for our game. Um, but remember, we'll be back again this time next week with someone else from uh, rugby around the UAE. Hopefully Alex will be back. He was sick this week. Hopefully he'll be back in the fit of his health remember to keep following Yala Rugby on Instagram and Facebook and wherever else and keep spreading the word of the, the podcast and Yala Rugby and remember to keep following Rugby Smacks I'll be very active on it this weekend for the last weekend of the Six Nations and my main account Benchwarmers so with that I'm Neville O'Donoghue thanks for listening and I'm out of here